0: Hey there,
1: everybody. This is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, and I want to welcome you for another episode with a great guest. This week, we are joined by Simon Bailey. Now, some of you may already know who Simon is with the number of listeners and followers he has. I'm guessing that many of you do, but let me just tell you a little bit more about Simon. He is a celebrated keynote speaker and the author of Ignite the Power of Women in Your Life, A Guide for Men. Intriguing title. We'll talk about that. But as a worldwide keynote speaker, former Disney leader, seven-time best-selling author and executive coach and consultant to more than 2,100 companies in over 50 countries, Simon says his purpose is to spark listeners to lead countries, companies, and communities differently. We want to know what differently looks like. Success Magazine named Simon as one of the top 25 people who can help you reach your business and life goals. So that's pretty high praise and not surprising for the man who launched a movement from a three-minute video that went viral to over 90 million people. So with that short introduction, let's welcome today's guest, Simon Bailey. Hey there, Simon. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Good to be with you. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, now Simon and I for the listeners, Simon and I actually started this process of getting him interviewed back in May. <laughs> like, okay, let's do this. And there were a number of things that happened like, oh, got to reschedule, then my schedule. So I am happy that this is finally coming to fruition and I get to have you on the podcast cuz I know our guests are going to love you, Simon.
2: Well, I'm so happy to be here.
1: So I want to ask you a question that I sometimes feel inspired to ask guests before we go live, and you actually had an answer for me, and that was if when you woke up this morning, there was something particularly heavy on your heart, something that you wanted to speak about, and you actually said, yes, there was. So let's start there. Share with our listeners what that was and your experience.
2: This morning, I woke up with a thought of how do we hug people with our words and bring more kindness to the planet? And as fate would have it, a friend of mine invited me to attend the Global Exchange Conference, which focuses on addiction, recovery, mental health, and wellness. And the opening speaker was Marianne Williamson. Whoa. And here I am, <laughs> front and center. And this amazing human being uh, just started sharing. She's 70 years of age, doesn't look a day over 55. And she just started sharing her heart. And she said, folks, right now, we have to show up better for the planet, for each other, not just for ourselves. And Sarah, when she said it, it I it just like it was so serendipitous because I was like, that's what I was thinking this morning.
1: Now, think about that for just a second longer. You woke up thinking about that. Then you heard it. Repeated and it resonated much deeper, I would say, deeper into your soul or your being, right? Mm-hmm. So, what happened in the room when that was going on? Did you think like it was just you getting that, or did other people kind of have that aha moment as well?
2: There was about a thousand people there. There was such a hush in the room as people were sitting on the edge of their seats because she was speaking truth. There's one thing to hear a fact, a story, a point she was speaking from a deeper place, a deeper spiritual place, as to what's happening on the planet. So let me just digress for a second. There was a recent opt-ed piece in the New York Times written by David Brooks, and it's called The, the Rising Tide of Emotional Sadness That's on the Planet. And at the end of the article, he said the emotional well-being globally is being shattered right now, globally. And so when Marianne began to talk about how we have to move from me to we, move more into a selfless space and be more open to humanity Everybody was literally bugged eye, like, tell me more. What can we do? As she was literally uh, uh, channeling, might be a bit of a stretch, but as she was infusing us with the possibility to show up to be a more caring human being.
1: What were some of the suggestions she had? Like, when people were saying, How do you do that? Um, Did she offer up some simple ways that people could
2: do that if they're not already doing it? You know, she did. One of the things she said is the ability just to turn and look at a person and say, how are you doing? Uh, Make eye contact, connect, uh, being so self-aware that you are not just focused on you, but you're making it about the other person. And, you know, after she finished, I found myself, I went to the exhibit hall because I wanted to just see what books she had available. And I found myself taking a moment just to, if a person was like five feet away, making eye contact, saying, good morning, smiling. I don't know who that person was. And guess what? That person said, good morning, and smiled back. And what I realized, Sarah, in that moment, for whatever it was worth, it became healing presence for them and for me because Mm -hmm. we took the time to notice each other and not just go about our busy way as if we got so much going on and we don't see anybody else around us.
1: Aren't we so important?
2: Yeah, yeah. We got a lot going on. We got our cell phones. You know, we are so busy. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Sometimes I have to like pick on
1: myself. Like I'm thinking, well, aren't you your bad self? You know, it's like, come on, Sarah, just yeah. relax.
2: Yeah, So, so right. that, was, yep. that was one of the other things. Notice people. I think another thing, Sarah, we can think about is if you're walking into a store and there's a door that you're opening, what would it be like to let the person that's coming in behind you hold the door for them? Uh, if you're at a restaurant, what would it be like to tell your server, what other table do you have? I want to pay for their meal, but don't tell them that I'm doing it. And and it's this whole way of just you know giving something without expecting anything in return. return. Turn because it's healthy and it does something for us.
1: It's powerful. Have you done that, Simon? Have you actually just done that? I'm the anonymous person who just paid for your breakfast, lunch or dinner kind of thing.
2: Okay. So this is the great reveal. And this is not to get any points with any listeners at all.
1: Oh, you can have points for being a nice guy. You get a point for showing up every day.
2: You know as, 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 as Joel, my one of my my dear friends would say, I'm a minch of uh, I, I do it all the time. I, I cannot help myself. I do it all the time. And you know why I do it? Because it's not so much about helping someone else. It's that feeling that I did a good deed. And I'm paying it forward for the generations that are coming after me, that they will reap the good that we've put out in the world. So, yeah, I, I do it. It feels great.
1: Oh, I love it. Well, and the thing is, you never know what has just happened in that person's life, right? They could yes. look like they don't even need you to do that for them. And yet their heart could be breaking, right? Yes. And then they just yes. go, wow, someone saw me and yes. wrapped their arms figuratively around me.
2: hmm and take, it, take it a step further. Uh, and, and here's the thing, Sarah, love and respect have no color. And in a world that's polarized because of ethnicity and and all, obviously diversity, equity, inclusion is a, is a big conversation that many organizations and individuals are starting to get, what would it be like if there's a person who doesn't look like our ethnicity or we don't, uh, they are not disabled. They're differently enabled. And what if we took the time to create just a belonging moment with a hello, how are you? And if time permits, hey, what's your story? Tell me about you. That would like heal the planet. Just one person saying, tell me about you. I, I, when, I'm in, in, I, when I'm in an Uber or Lyft, I talk to them, like, what's your story? I'm just curious, right? And I may never see that person again, but I learned about another human being and I took the spotlight off of myself and burying my head in my phone to just notice someone. That goes a long way. Black people, I don't speak for all Black people. Let me just be really clear about that because everybody that looks like you does not think for you or speak for you. Oh, heavens, yeah. But but for so long, Uh, many Black Americans have felt invisible, not seen. And this ability to say, you know what, I'm going to give away what I really want by seeing someone else in hope somewhere somebody will see me, right? That becomes healing, healing presence for everyone.
1: Well, and just that simple act of doing that, right? So this is... um... One of the things that I've found in my life, when you're talking about talking in your Ubers or Lyfts, I'm, I'm often recall, someone say, quit interrogating people you don't know. I'm thinking, I'm not interrogating them. I'm truly interested, you know? But mm-hmm. haven't you found like you have just had some like, oh, that's an amazing story, you know? And you never would have known that had you not asked.
2: No, I recently was in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, happened to talk to the driver and he said to me, I moved here to town and somebody said I should start driving for Lyft as a way to learn about the city. And I was like, really? What a great way to learn about the city. You know, I just thought that was great.
1: Well, um, before we go on to your book, because I do want to talk about that. I want to tell you, I did get some great advice from a taxi driver in Boston on a freezing cold night when a colleague and I were getting from the airport to our hotel, which we thought we'd never get to. But we were asking him about himself and how long he'd been married because he had pictures of his kids, grandkids. Mm. And uh, I don't know which one of us asked, but it was like, well, what piece of advice would you have like for the longevity? And he goes, oh, it's it's the garbage can. <laughs> what? And I'm thinking like, take it out. What's the deal here? And so it's like, okay, what's that? mean? he goes, okay, here's the deal with the garbage can. You can keep tramping stuff down, putting the lid back on, keep compacting it. But pretty soon you're going to reach the top of the can, no matter how big it is. He goes, so it's always better in life to keep the lid off and to keep the trash out. Just deal wow. with stuff as it comes up. Right. So, okay. So There's a 30 minute piece of a, you know, a drive with a little nugget in there that, so this has been at least 25 years since that conversation. And I just like, I still hear it.
2: That's so good. That is so powerful.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. So thanks for sharing your aha from this morning. I think those little pieces connect bigger in life. Mm -hmm. It also makes me think about your book. So one thing you said when you were sharing that was like that self-awareness piece. And I wonder what your own journey to self-awareness, what the link in there has been to allow you to, to even conceive of and then write this book.
2: So Madison, my daughter, came in my home office one day, and she said, hi, Daddy. I said, hey, baby girl. And Sarah, I sense she wanted to talk, but I was emotionally unavailable. She had sat down, waited for a few minutes, and I was getting ready for another trip. I was busy. And she said, Daddy, I see you're busy. I'll just come back later. And I said, Okay. And it hit me on the plane the next day that I missed the moment to connect with my daughter because I was just emotionally clueless. So when I came back out of town, I said, Madison, you wanted to talk to me. And she said, Daddy, it's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. Because if I don't change my behavior, you're going to marry a joker just like me. And her mother said to me at the time, you give everybody the best of you, but you give us the rest of you. And I don't want the leftovers anymore. And what I recognize is that I had built a house but lost a home. I was chasing money, but had no meaning. I was pursuing power, uh, but had no purpose. Uh, I was going after status, you know, the 6,000 square foot home and taking the kids to Hong Kong and Singapore for vacation and kids in private school. And it was all this external stuff. And then you go through a divorce after being married for 25 years. And I'm sitting in, in, in front of my divorce attorney. And she said, you need to go to therapy have I got a person you need to go see? And no guy wants to go and see a therapist named Anita that's been practicing for 40 years and has more degrees than a thermostat. And the first thing she says to me, Sarah, Anita the therapist, whatever you don't deal with will eventually deal with you.
1: Hello, garbage can theory. There you go. (laughs) Boom. Hello. Hello. (laughs) She called it.
2: She did. And that's where my journey began my journey to return back home to myself. And and I was in my own way. I was emotionally unavailable to my daughter, her mother, I was modeling for uh, my son, her brother, how to just not be there, right? Because I thought if I bought things and stuff, that that would fill the void of them just having me and time. And because we were so far gone, in, in the marriage coming to an end, and we decided to separate and divorce, right? Uh, Anita said, there's a lot of research out about fathers and daughters, but there are there's emerging research out about mothers and sons. And she said, you have been mama to death. And there's a conversation you need to have with your mother. And I was like, Okay. So sure enough. And there was, there was, there was a wound, uh, something happened at eight years of age. And I call my mom and my mom said, I've been waiting, uh, 35 years to have this conversation. And finally mom and I talk. And that's where I begin the healing journey. The scales fell off my eyes. I took the mask off. I stopped trying to be, I got it all together. Look at me. I'm so important. I work at Disney. Whatever people don't care. Right. And so I began the journey. I did the work and I still go to therapy all these years later. I'm I'm still doing my work. I'm flawed, perfectly imperfect. But that's that's the start of the journey.
1: Well, I just want to say that's a really brave thing to do. Like from your, your divorce attorney, you could have said, yeah, thanks. I'm paying you to get me divorced, not to heal me. And but you didn't. I mean, what a brave, brave thing to do and to just go. So, and I know it's not that simple. I'm not minimizing it at all, but um, what a great gift to yourself. And then to everybody else in your life around you, Simon. So, wow. I'm glad
2: I did it. Yeah. I swear by therapy. I, I encourage everyone listening. If you don't seek professional help, is it time? Is it time? Just a question. It's a good question.
1: And it's not a, it's not a one and done kind of thing.
2: No, not at all. For me, it was twice a month. Uh, One to two hours a month, just, you know, (laughs) pouring my entire life out. But one of the things I realized for the work I do, I would never be able to show up because there was a hole, hole in my soul and to show up to do the work that I do with my house jacked up because I was broken within, right? And I needed to come to a place of wholeness, W-H-O-L-E, and, and really uh, continue the journey. So,
1: yeah. Okay, I just got to pause for a moment because that's really powerful. Um, it's always tempting to want to get from here to there without actually getting from here to there. Can't we just like supersonic fly there? Skip over all the middle ground? No can do. <laughs> <laughs> no can do. Got to go through. The songs. The song says, I can't go for that. <laughs> oh, so true. Okay. So let me ask, I'm going to switch directions here, but I'm, I'm giving you a heads up on it. But what led you to declare this time in our history, the age of the woman?
2: Look at all the research, 92% of the vacation plans decided by women, 62% of the car purchases made by women, 75 to 80% of the healthcare decisions made by women. All of the research says that when women are leading or co-leading a company, the company percentage-wise is more profitable. It's not taking anything away from men. So, why is this the age of the woman? We need the female energy on the planet right now to heal, to to ensure that everybody is sitting at the table. How do we give a hand up and not a hand out? Listen, the days of saying that women need to take second place and not be paid equal, put a fork in it, that dog will not hunt, those days are gone. Any organization that's gonna be worth its salt in the next decade, company, country, city, community, must do right by women. Because women will problem solve differently men are very linear a b c women have a 360 degree view of how to solve a problem women are lateral thinkers they will come at things from an angle that we didn't even think about um the other thing is men we want the data where is the analytics show me the numbers and i think that's really important but women have been wired To have a sixth sense, an intuition, a feeling that that's just how women are. And if we're not tapping it, and I'm sorry to get so like emotional, I'm getting on my soapbox now.
1: Hey, I'm okay. I'm (laughs) going to follow you. I got things. I have things to ask you about that. So carry on.
2: Let, let, Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Brilliant women will multiply in a world that divides. Brilliant women will Add two in a world that subtracts. That's why this is the age of the woman.
1: Okay, so now let me ask you this. Um, So for women, well, it's a two-part question, and I don't want to make it a leading question. So what have been, as you've been out doing this work and speaking to your various audiences, what have been the initial reactions from men?
2: Am I playing towards women, like, you know, what is this? What's this all about? Right? I don't believe you. Are you blowing smoke? Uh, What gives you the right to talk about this? And so notice the subtitle, a guide for men. I'm not telling you, I'm saying, here's where I messed up. I'm 54. If you're under 54, I'm going to help you save about $100,000 and not go through a divorce. (laughs) So, so after I kind of break it down, you know, to guys and say, listen, this is just truth. And that's the first thing. The second thing is men are men right now are under siege. Uh, If you look at all the young men, high suicide rate amongst men, um, there are more women in college than men. So men feel as if they're being elbowed out and kicked to the curb. So they're like, why are you coming alongside to say, ignite the power of women in your life, a guide for men? Because here's what I know to be true. Women don't need their power ignited. They need a man who has done their work. Who's done their work and doing their work, who will show up and say, I am here to support you, to be the best person that I can be for you. And together, I know you're going to unlock my potential as a man so that I can be a better human being. I was just talking with a guy the other day, and he says, You look through history, any great man that was worth his salt, it was because of a woman that stood by his side and ensured that he became all that he possibly could be. And what I know to be true, you're looking at a man that has been the hell and back. And when I begin to understand a woman doesn't tell you everything that you need to know, a woman will only tell a man what he can handle. And as he handles it, he matures and grows and develops. So yes, it's true. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I'm just saying,
1: I'm it's just so saying. funny. I've never heard someone say that a woman will only tell you what you can handle, but it's true because there are, I have, you know, I have my girl conversations and it's like, yeah, don't, not that much. That's too much. Not that much. Right. So, and it's said in jest and in love, but it's, but there's a, a piece of that. It's like, that's overboard. You know, you're going to lose them. It's just, Because there's a quick shorthand, I think, amongst women. Even when we don't agree, there's a shorthand that you can, it's quick. But Mm -hmm. Simon, I also wanted the part B to that question was not only what are the men saying, but what do you get from women when they hear that? Is there, what's their reaction when you're speaking with them?
2: I have heard women tell me they have gotten more out of the book and more from what I say that helps them. Uh, create better relationships with women. That's the first thing. And then I've had women say they have read the book to their husband and they have bought a copy for their husbands, their and all the other men in their life their brothers, their nephews, their sons. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very practical and how to. So it's amazing. And we even got a call from a company out of Silicon Valley and said, Do you have a program where we can take this book and bring it into our company? So we've created a whole six week course on Ignite the Power of Women in Business to help men understand how do we do this in a professional environment, uh, not just personal, because obviously we All have right. the six week personal course. So, yeah. So good feedback from both men and women.
1: That is really good feedback, and it's encouraging feedback, I would say. Yes. But for women who have gone through their professional lives having to adapt and act, like kind of leave their intuition side at home and show up as if, right? How have you gotten feedback from them?
2: Yeah, so it's it depends on how long they've been in their career and their age, right? But for those who've been in their career for a long time, they're they are like, I'm good. I'm established, I've figured out how to play the game and win uh, in the degree that I wanna win. For women that are just starting up their career in let's say less than 10 years in the workplace, now they have a tool, a mindset to know that, hey, I can find a man within the company that will sponsor me, be my champion, be my advocate. And it's a healthy, psychologically safe, Uh, way to engage and move my career forward. So yes, so they they're being equipped with here's what it looks like. And then for those men, professionally, they're understanding, wait a minute, I need to celebrate her contribution, not poach her idea and make it sound like it's my own. Really, dude? Really? Are you kidding me? Like that dog will not hunt because women, they're coming for you. They are coming for you.
1: (laughs) Watch your back. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm not really vindictive, but I, I kind of like to make up stories like that because it scares people. It's like, oh, don't mess with her. She's vindictive. Gonna, I never would carry it out, but I've got a good imagination. Um, <laughs> but Simon, that's thanks for answering that because I think about that. It isn't just women have been pitted against women when there is limited management or leadership. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of what was driving my question. It's like, how does that get handled? Um, because I know sometimes the personalities that are more driven type personalities, right? And which would be quote unquote, stereotypical, like male style in leadership, um, have been rewarded and others who are super powerful, but maybe show up differently, they don't have a sponsor or whatever, um, get left behind or get judged differently. So that's kind of what kind of pulled that question for me from there. So you talk about your book having some how-tos and being very practical. Could you share a little bit of that with us?
2: One of the things that I share in the book is the power of emotional honesty. Uh, Emotional honesty is saying, I don't know what I don't know, and I'm willing to put my truth on the table. And here's the reality. Women already know you don't know, but they're waiting for you to just put the truth on the table and say, I need your help. And that ability to be vulnerable does not make you less masculine? It makes you more stronger because you're able to say, you know what, I'm emotionally honest enough to say, I've stood in my way long enough, can you help me, right? I think the other thing that I teach is the whole Caritas caring processes. Uh, And there's four practices that I introduce. I'm so grateful to Dr. Gene Watson, the scholar who created this. So number one, forgiveness. When I forgive you, There is no record of wrong. And so one of my issues that I discovered is I had a need to be right. And if she did something wrong, I would blame her for everything, right? When in fact, it was really me. And I had to learn how to forgive her by starting with forgiving myself, right? And showing up. Forgiveness, I could spend an hour talking about forgiveness, but whoever's listening to us right now, is there a place in your relationship personally or professionally Where you need to ask for forgiveness. And when I say ask for forgiveness, uh, truly forget and move on. Like, don't hold on to it. You know, I'm gonna forgive, but I'm just gonna hold on to this little mental post it note. You
1: said forgive and forget, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll forgive, but I'm not gonna forget.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not gonna forget. (laughs) You did. If you say, I'm gonna forgive, but I'm not forget, I'm not gonna forget. You haven't forgiven. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Correct. There's some irony for you. Because then after you forgive, then you learn how to surrender. And surrender is letting go of how the process is going to be. So, for example... You meet someone and you come through door one, they come through door two, and together you find door three together because you each have a history, but a half a man and a half a woman don't make a whole relationship. So how do I surrender to really discover who you are and who you're becoming? And then the third practice is gratitude. How do I find a way to celebrate something unique and special about you? And how do I call that out? Uh, how do I begin to identify why you should be cherished, not just love? Anyone can say I love you. But when I say I cherish you, I'm going to put myself on the line. I'm willing to die for you when I cherish you, right? And then the fourth practice is human compassionate care. And human compassionate care is when you're connecting uh, with your spouse, significant other, what's your tone how how, do, how, do, how are you listening? How do you move from selective hearing to authentic listening by saying to her, "Here's what I heard you say. Is this what you meant let's let's double click on that. Let's drop a pin. I think I may have missed something, right? And it's that deeper conversation where a woman really knows that you are dancing to the beat of her music because sometimes she wants Andre Bocelli, but you're doing chopsticks. <laughs> And it's not working, right? That's a great (laughs) conversation. So it's coming back to just saying, I'm willing to do the work and really get you at the core.
1: But if you don't get yourself, Simon, to your point of doing the work, it's harder to be willing to know someone. So if you won't offer compassion to yourself, forgiveness Mm -hmm. to yourself, it's really more difficult in my humble personal experience to extend it to others because you haven't given it to yourself.
2: You cannot give what you don't have. You cannot be what you are not becoming. And it's difficult to do what you haven't done for yourself because you're doing it out of rote or routine, or you read it in a book, but you haven't owned it for yourself. And, and that's where i am been really inviting men to really think about how do I show up better? by just starting with you one, one little micro step of self-love, right? Self-forgiveness. And then all the other practices begin to fall in line.
1: Yeah. I just love the concept of your book and the humor right around the title. I don't, I do not think um, because of what you just described about the contents, like the application and the lessons that it necessarily is just for men, because I think us as women, you know, regardless of how we're wired, have those same stories that go through our heads, right? And we can discount men just as easily because maybe we've been hurt or you know, passed over or whatever. So, um I will tell you though, listening to you is so funny, not like haha, but curiously funny. Um actually both, but I think about my first bosses, quote unquote bosses starting when I was like 13. They they were all men, not surprisingly, but each one of them gave me a lesson. It's almost like a little key they gave me. And the very first one gave me the choice of how did I want to be paid? Could I be paid hourly or by the piece, right? And I'm thinking, I don't even get it, right? First of all, I'm underage. I'm illegal to be working. And um, But it's small town, right? He's going to pay us, my girlfriend and I. And he says, well, I'll pay you by the hour. This is the job that needs done. Or you guys can just I'll pay you by the piecemeal as long as it's done well, I'll pay you. Well, it took me one day to figure out I'd make more money if we did it piecemeal, did it right and got the hell out, right? Then we could go play, do whatever we were going to do. But that one lesson of being given agency over how I showed up at work has affected my entire life going forward because of one man who championed me, right? He didn't know it, but he did. And I've had other male bosses. So that's when that shifted. And then um, it was the place where I'm thinking, wait, this isn't right. There's other ways of leading and being with people than this narrow thing where people are pigeonholed, labeled and put in boxes. So that's what I love about your approach of understanding and seeing the Bocelli or the chopsticks, all of that um, is so powerful on healing us together. Mm -hmm. So as we kind of wrap up here, I wanna ask you a question. There's a lot of people are going to be listening to this and we're coming up on the holiday season. So I want you to offer encouragement to people to buy this, but I, and not just because I want to promote the book, but because I do think it promotes world kindness and understanding and unity when we start to think like this about each other. So talk for a couple of minutes about why someone should buy and give this book over the next couple months of holiday opportunities and where they should buy it.
2: So if you want to be hugged with words, you want this book. If there's someone that means anything to you in life and you want to hug them with words, then this is why you want to ignite the power of women in your life, a guide for men. Uh, It took me three years to write the book, and I was only able to finish it after my wife, Jodi, encouraged me to complete it. She said, babe, there are people who really, really need this book. And so something that we have not really publicly said, we have decided that a significant amount of the proceeds for every person that buys the book goes to Global Servants, which is a nonprofit organization that is educating young girls in Thailand in africa to ensure that they are not human trafficked and and we're just all about that so you get a chance to make a bigger difference uh, in the lives of others so if you want to join this movement that i'm starting that's right movement ignite the power of women and when you buy the book there's also a free one year impact plan because we really believe in how do you operationalize this to your life, not just read a book and put it down, but how do you make it part of your journey? So ignite the power of women.com.
1: I love it. And I just got chills when you said that. So that's always a good sign. You know, when you get the old chills going, Simon, you are just a treasure and I'm, I'm glad that we didn't give up on trying to figure out how to connect for the podcast. Um, And with that, podcast listeners i'm going to say goodbye until next week and i do encourage you we'll have all of the links in the show notes for you so don't worry about how you're going to find this out just click on the show notes go to simon's links get the book i'm going to be getting the book um there's a few people i'm going to share it with um but i'm actually interested in the impact guide as well and i love that you're doing this work you know in china and southeast area so ah that's brilliant Okay, Simon, I give you the final word and we're
2: saying goodbye. I love you. I believe in you. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it.